Hello, and welcome to episode one of Sligo Sounds. This podcast is a show that showcases and explores the heart of Sligo's music scene, with interviews, music, and a lot more. This episode, I chat to Anthony Mannion. Anthony is a guitarist and singer who's currently in bands such as Odd Socks, Old Hannah, and The Wranglers. So, here we go. now so I would have started playing guitar when I was in fifth class in primary school thereabouts fifth or sixth class I took it up doing lessons in town Saturday mornings with Dennis Phelan from the jazz lads oh yeah yeah and it was great like and well at the time you'd start off and you'd learn the chords and you'd do like songs like uh, the whole world in his hands in all different keys and the house of the rising sun and a few of these and at the time well, you're you're young and you don't really care for them or you don't really get it. Yeah. I remember my man going, you know, go in there and practice for half an hour. I'd be like, no, no. But then something clicks like, and you just hear a tune. And, you know, when you play for so long, you just have that moment where you're like, oh, everything goes to, everything goes like this. Mm. And you kind of start playing a little more. And I think when you meet people who are also playing and learning and then you're into, you get into music. Yeah. And then you're like, oh yeah, let's play this, let's learn that. Yeah, which, so that, which, obviously that's with the groups. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, who was, what was the first group you were in? Uh, it was, well, I met Luke in school, Luke Mercer, in school, and he was just learning guitar, he was going to Jerry, and my sister gone to Jerry Grand as well, and like, there was music in the house anyway, there was, there was guitars, and my sisters and my bro played, like, they did Irish dancing, recorder, harp and piano, and singing, so lessons has always been going on in the house, so it was always kind of there. And then uh, I remember getting a call from Owen O'Kelly, who's a drummer at the time. I played with him for years, and he was like, yeah, do you want to put something together with another guy called Aaron, Aaron O'Donoghue? And, and I said, I think we should get Luke in as well. And we, we were, I think we were called The Odyssey. The Odyssey. The Odyssey, yeah. And we did a gig in the model, and that was our first gig. Great, wow. That's, not, that's a pretty good first gig. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. funny. What was that for? Can you remember? It was just putting on a gig, I think. Yeah. So yeah, um, favorite instrument? Like I, I do like people probably do know that you do play a lot of different instruments. But yeah, stringed instruments mostly would be good. I favorite instrument to play at it would be Dobro at the moment, which is a slide guitar lap steel, mm. uh, and just because that was just a huge part of a new kind of musical genre, getting into country and bluegrass and mm. folk. With that instrument was was a huge thing a couple of years ago. Uh, we went to a gig in the Glen Centre in Manor Hamilton. Mm. I seen a band called the Hunger Mountain Boys, like a trio from from the states, playing all swing and a bit of country and a bit of bluegrass, but usually western swing stuff. And the guy there, Teddy Weber, had a dobro, and I was just didn't know what it was, mm. and I was amazed by it. It's great when that happens. Yeah, yeah, so I went and bought one the next day off, really? off, to, off to home and like. And I still, that's the only one I have. It's a budget model, but I've upgraded it with, with parts. But yeah, still, still that's have that. Super, yeah, that's cool. Um, could you describe the Sligo music scene in three words? Sligo music scene in three words. Or uh, four. Or four. <laughs> Does that make it easier? Yeah, no. Supportive. Bubbling. Like a soup. Or a sauce, like a good Bubbling sauce. Bubbling like a soup. <laughs> and just fun fun cool yeah 
what what favorite music like do you listen to? What what's your favorite genre or artist or such a tough, such a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, and um, loads. loads. To, to be perfectly honest, loads of music because playing like we play a lot of acoustic folk music during the week, and then obviously with other bands like Odd Socks, we mm. play a little more electric, and that's like blues and funk and soul. So. And then when you as a you write tunes, you're listening to kind of rap and hip hop for lyrics and old folk stuff for lyrics and just general stuff like that. Mm. If you want some names, what I'm listening to at the moment, yeah, that's... Uh, Neil Young. Mm. Going back, listening to a lot of Neil Young at the moment, and uh, also listening to Anderson Pack at the moment, Kendrick Lamar, mm. um, early Dylan, loads of Dylan, yeah. all the Dylan, <laughs> Dylan. Yeah. you know, and then just. Cause this is on Spotify, you just throw on random stuff to just get an idea. Yeah. A lot of old soul stuff. Because with the hip hop, you kind of, you hear the tune or the sample, then you go try find it. And then you're like, oh, there's this whole new, loads of old. An entire, like a new universe of music. That's, that's what I love. And that, that, that's one of the questions I was going to ask you. Do you think the internet is a blessing or a curse for musicians? It's both. Yeah. It's both. I mean, what's great is that you have everything access to everything mm. Spotify is just incredible going back and finding these old you know greatest hits of old blues guys and just the archive mm. nature of it and everything's there but that's the problem there's so much music and everyone you can meet everyone every day and they say oh you need to listen to this guy you need to listen to this or her and you're just you're swamped yeah. by new music which is great so but it can be tough as a, as a new artist then to to break through to to do something it's kind of different and new can be quite tri- quite quite difficult. Mm. So you were you were learning when the internet wasn't really there. Yeah, ninety eight, ninety nine. It was kind of there. It was dial up. Yeah. So we had a lot. You learned off CDs, but you also had to get on the internet to get tabs, tablature. Mm. Like I remember, like printing out the whole unplugged Nirvana unplugged, and having it as a little. You know, a little booklet. And that's what me and Luke, I remember going into class and he was like, oh, what are you learning today? He's like, come as you are. I was like, oh, fuck, daddy, I'll learn that. <laughs> yeah. And lithium and all these tunes, yeah. because obviously they're all the acoustic ones from the Unplugged yeah. album. And then you got into Ass and Chains Unplugged and then all that acoustic side of it. But we also, lucky enough, that we had electric guitars in the house as well. Mm-hmm. So I remember like playing a G chord and the electric guitar and just going, this is amazing. <laughs> really loud. And then just... As you got into music and figured out what you liked, what bands you liked as a teenager, you just devour, you just devour everything. Do you, do you think you would have been, it, like, as I was saying, that before the internet, it sounds so scary when, you know, you tell people that, they kind of don't, like, generations now don't really comprehend the fact that there was no internet about maybe 20 years ago. Yeah. In, in terms of, you know, like Spotify or YouTube, I personally find that it is, it's a great advantage, especially for, for, sure. for learning. I mean, if you want to learn, as you said, any song, it's there to be. You can, there's you tutorials know, and all, tutorials. This is less paper as well. So, yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. sheets upon sheets. Of, and stacks, yeah. stacks of tabs. And songs that now I wouldn't realize because I'm not really into. So I remember learning like, just devouring music, devouring like U2 and stereophonics and everything and just tunes, mm. just chords and learning like. I think it was really important at the time. But even when you say there was, still was internet, but the way I would learn would be have a CD or a tape yeah. and play along with it. 
and rewind mm. and play and That's, rewind yeah. and do that for hours. By yeah. yeah, and that was a huge help because once something clicks, once you kind of know your way around your instrument and you know a certain amount of chords and maybe a certain amount of theory as well, mm. then it's kind of like, well, what do you want from the music? And it was like, right, I'm going to learn this solo. And then kind of you're around your peers as well. It's like, oh, we're going to do this song, so can you learn this bit? Mm. And you see your mates at a gig doing that song. You're like, oh, I want to, I want to do that too. Like, but in, in a healthy way. Like, mm. And that's in growing up in Sligo, it was very healthy. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there was ever a, a competitive thing. I don't think so. No. Maybe at the time when you're just a teenager and you yeah. think that, but looking back, there wasn't really. No. Like, there was a few band competitions and stuff, but it was just a good good place to meet up, though, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah, totally. When you do, you know, you see that one person that that kind of goes, "Wow, like I, I didn't realize he could play that solo." Yeah, you know, and it's kind of good to see, and then it makes you think, "Well, I've got to go learn that solo." Like, now. Yeah, and know. it inspires you in a yeah. good way to go about it and practice and and, and do stuff. Mm. I mean, yeah, it was crazy growing up in, in Sligo doing that because we were on Summer Hill, or few of us did. Mm. But there was band competitions on, song competitions, and there was never that in the, the previous 10, 15 years, I don't mm. think. And then we were lucky to have the Trades Club, mm. which was a nice space. And we started putting on gigs, like. Yeah. And just everyone was wanted to be involved in music at the time. Everyone was playing in bands, putting on gigs. You know, getting setting up a PA, setting up a stage, and running a night, and yeah. printing posters, and doing them, and putting them up, and it's, it's you know, when you're 16, this is great. Like, yeah, you know. Well, I mean, it, it, that's one great thing about Sligo for for that is that, as you were saying, it's very healthy competition. Yeah. In terms of, you know, you don't feel like somebody is making fun of what you're doing or it's all like it is that kind of thing where you kind of go wow i we got to do that song yeah can't believe we didn't think of doing that song and i think it wasn't competitive either because the range of of age groups of musicians and it was so supportive like we used to go out and practice in luke's all the time luke's house and then we go down to grange to barry's or colin gillen was running barry's at the time and he was very supportive Mm. in terms of letting us into gigs you know to watch gigs and then to put on nights as well and Grange Music Festival and these small little things that would, would encourage young people to come up and play like really good like that the folks like my parents were really really supportive and Michael's as well and Luke's and just coming to gigs and then in town you've just older musicians who you look up to going oh yeah daddy mm-hmm. you know we'll come down and you try to go to everyone's gigs because just the quality was really good yeah it wasn't as in, oh, go through your gig. The quality of musicians was yeah. just very good. Yeah. Standard, though, very high standard at the yeah. time. What one thing would you would you advise a beginner musician? Like, you know, if they're talking about maybe getting exposure, recording, if, if you could just give one bit of advice that you've learned. In progressing in, in yeah. progressing the field, yeah. play with people. Yeah. Play with people as early. If you're learning instruments, get playing with friends or I think you improve so much quicker yeah I mean the bands generally do become the teachers in that kind of sense where you yeah, do totally. feel like you have especially when it comes to rhythm aspects mm-hmm. and listening that's yeah yeah yeah. Biggest, yeah well as well you're playing with let's say a drummer and a bass player but just like a four piece band you just get to know them and you get tighter and you get to look at them smile mm-hmm. and the groove is there like and that's, it's far more important that there's a bond there rather yeah. than just four people coming together to do a session like if there's one or two people do I'm very lucky to play with these guys and girls that I play with for a long time now. 
band wise what, what bands are you in all of that, all that bands yeah uh, mostly a band called Odd Socks and then Old Hannah I've heard of them <laughs> Odd Socks would have been the one we started when we were teenagers in Sligo mm. and who's, who's in that band just just so people at know. the moment uh, Luke Mercer uh, Michael Connery uh, Danny Young is playing drums at the moment and then myself mm. and then sometimes we have extra musicians in we've played with uh, Brian Mullen We've played with Kieran Quinn, did some recording with us on piano. At the moment, we're playing with Graham Berkers on keys and sax and synth. Uh, and then there's some brass players in Dublin. We get in Kev Foran, and he's, he's been amazing. Mm. He plays trumpet. And... So that's with Odd Socks, and then with Old Hannah. Luke Mercer features in Old Hannah as well, uh, along with Leo Myers from Grange, and then Lucy Critchell. Mm. And then sometimes we'd have a drums and bass with that, and brass and fiddle, so it could go up to like an eight piece. Okay. You have it's it, all your releases and stuff are up on Spotify. So yeah, we can. Yeah, I'll, I'll I can put a link on that anyway. For sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's your third album for the like for Odd Socks. Second album. Second we album. did like two EPs. We did an EP, then an album, then another EP, and then we released an album last year. Mm. So it was fun. Yeah. So I, I was gonna ask you about the inspiration behind saying things. Saying things. That was a fun one. That was a really fun track to do. Because it, it was written like... I remember writing it in my room with only half of it done. Mm. The idea was to, to put a, a little guitar track, chords for example, and then pan some other guitars left and right that they were off rhythm. And then I wanted a vocal and I wanted a answer, call and answer kind of vibe to it as well. So I had those verses and I made a demo... I didn't even, I just plugged the electric straight into the, the computer and you got this really daft, fuzz sounding stuff and really over compressed guitar. But it was fun at the time and it just, it served the purpose to get the idea down. And I did like a two minute track and did some little guitar bits that at the time were quite satisfying. Mm. <laughs> you know, when you're on your own recording demos, yeah. some of it's getting the idea down and the other side was just messing around with your own yeah. recording. And that was floating around for about a year. And a bit, so we were getting songs together for the record. I had that demo, I took it out and okay, wrote another verse in the same style, you know, the original piece was. And then we added a chorus. And the chorus was okay at the time, but then we went into recorded in studio. It just wasn't, wasn't giving enough oomph as the verses were. So we actually, I just ended up changing it around, kind of on the spot, yeah. in there, to, before I went in to do the vocals. So that was fun. Really? Like you changed it just... just yeah, changed the, added, just changed the phrasing of it around and added a few more words to give it a bit more of a... Mm. a chorus feel to it I, I kind of found like listening to it I felt that it, like it was just just a little bit dark yeah even though it's a pretty it's a, it's a very catchy song thanks yeah no it is like I really I really do like as you were talking about the swells of the guitars yeah. in the track there is something about the left and right pan which is lovely to mm. kind of hear you nearly feel it kind of coming over like waves and that kind of thing yeah it is because I think that the the idea behind the vocals or behind the lyrics was about trust mm. and lack of trust okay. in in a relationship and how that kind of develops from from side to side between the two partners. Mm. I think that's what I was trying to get it get it at the time. Like, so you did, has it kind of changed? Has your opinion changed of the song in that way? Where when you were writing the song and you were thinking about something, is that is that the way you would kind of write songs? Uh, sometimes yeah with saying things yeah you had an idea just certain lines and you're like oh that's a nice vibe or that's a nice theme try to continue that oh, it's really tricky though if you write some of a song and you return to it maybe a month later it can be difficult to get back into that frame of mind 
uh, or kind of remember how exactly yeah. how you're feeling at the time. It is it is good to kind of give it a bit of a rest up. And no, yeah, totally. Sometimes it can blow you away in that kind of aspect where you kind of go, "Wow, I, you, I really need to get, finish off this song," or yeah, you know, yeah. Recording process wise, do you, do you use home studio or have? Yeah, everything. I mean, we recorded in studios as well. We recorded in studios. Yeah. So I could make demos on the phone. Mm. Demos on the phone, even unplugged electric and just a quick vocal melody just, just to put it down. And yeah. then maybe I have a laptop at home, so maybe just plug in and amp stuff up and do a, a quick little demo. And then you rehearse and record the rehearsal and then listen back to it. And then maybe enter pre-production for an album. Mm. I think it's important to do that and pull songs apart. As good as it sounds live, it doesn't, autom- doesn't automatically sound as good yeah. when you record it that way. Mm. It's quite conscious to be looking at an album as, as an album. Well, for me, you know, I like to do that. Yeah. To look at it as an album of, of consistent songs and a, a piece. Because that's who you were at the time. Like, you know, early Odd Sox stuff was really kind of bluesy. And yeah, it was, it, was, it was bluesy as rock and roll stuff. with kind of, I would say rock funk, but it was... Funk stylings with obviously more heavy guitars and stuff. And mm. Lyrically, it was a bit more hilarious. Mm. <laughs> and it's kind of tongue-in-cheek. A lot of, lot of harmony-based stuff, though. Yeah. Um, Live-wise, you guys are brilliant, when it comes, especially vocals. Yeah, we always, we always did that. Mm. We always wanted to do loads of vocals. Yeah. Even when we first started jamming, it was like, oh, yeah, let's, let's all get everyone in singing. Like. Yeah, do, do you follow a formula when writing? Like, I know we were talking about... Like, do you, do you find it easier to come up with a melody and then write lyrics or do you, uh, do you always write lyrics and you just come up with melodies? Both, and, both. You know. There's loads of ways to do it. Like, um, I mean, you should try to be writing every day, even if it's just a couple of lines, just whatever stream of consciousness stuff. And then we'd sit down with Lucy. We'd write a lot together with old Hannah. Mm. We'd write a lot over email. So she might have a little bit of something and a verse and a chorus and send it on to me and I'd maybe re-record it and add some bits and send it back. Sometimes the melody would come in the shower. Yeah. Yeah, it comes in the shower a lot and you're just like humming something and then you're like, oh, fuck, right. <laughs> I gotta go do that. So you put it down, maybe get the melody down and figure out some chords, get a few lines and then work from it from that. Mm. And then maybe if a theme, you like an idea of a theme to write about, then that would replace earlier lyrics. Mm. And then the editing process with Lucy, we would spend a lot of time doing that, editing and getting stuff sounding good lyrically, just so that it means something. Yeah. Um, so I guess it is taking an idea that you might have had in the shower or watching yeah. neighbors or something, and it is kind of making it universal, especially when it comes to a band thing. Mm-hmm. Do you do you find it more difficult writing in the band aspect rather than solo wise? If you know what mm, I mean. No. Do you prefer to bring a song to the band or? Do you think it works better when you just kind of come up with like a jam or something? I think with a jam, it, it's really good because that groove is there and that, let's say, the music is there and automatically you're like, okay, I have to fill the spaces now with the music, with melody. The other side of it is that you sit at home and you have a melody and you have some music and then you bring it mm. and then it transforms it. So it's, they're both the same. They're both, they're both just really good ways to do it, I feel mm. like. Bringing, so you could do, you could sit with the band and jam out and then you could just get stuck for ideas and then that's really shit because you're mm. kind of just all sitting there going, oh, shit, I don't really know what to do. Yeah. And that's okay because mm. you can't force something out and it'll come in time. Like yeah. Maybe when you're at home writing yourself, send the guys a demo or send it to Lucy and it'll come back and you can work on it then your own time and then you can meet up. 
because it's going to change anyway if yeah. you're going to record it for an yeah. album I think it should mm. like when we recorded some of the odd stock stuff some of us recorded very quickly and then some of us recorded during the recording process in the studio we're like oh we need more songs we scrapped a few and mm. like what I Want to Know which is a kind of slower track on the album it's just we tried it with a full band setup, like electric guitars, bass, drums. Just didn't sound right. So we were working out harmonies. I just had an acoustic guitar, and Rian was in there, and we just said, Rian, just maybe just track out on a piano, just the chords, and we'll mess around with harmonies. And then that's the way we did it. Wow. And that's how the piano stayed. Mm-hmm. It was just a MIDI piano and the chords. We said we we retracted on a Rhodes, but it just didn't sound didn't sound as nice. Yeah. So left it as it was a MIDI keyboard. So, yeah, I guess it was. As a guide, yeah, 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 and that's what it ended up as. Yeah. Like and that song, like I had that chorus running around for like a year, and no verses, and maybe a verse from another song, and we just put it together like a like a jigsaw. Did you find it difficult when when you do write a song? Like obviously you'd be singing it and playing yeah. guitar, productive voice. If you can give the song to someone like Lucy or yeah, or, or, I'd love to, I, I'd love to do that. Yeah. Because you have a song in your head and you know it's in the right certain key and you're like, well, I can't really get that high, but I know like Michael can or Luke can, or just I know their tones or how they sing. I would write it specifically for them, like, and it kind of allows you to kind of step back and go, okay, to write it and not have to worry about singing it. So how, how have you done much of that where you've actually written songs for other people? Yeah. Because that, that's another aspect, especially when it comes to songwriting. You're putting someone else in that cage as such that, they mightn't even know what it is about. Do you generally, actually, even with, even with themes of songs, do you generally always have a theme with your songs? Not necessarily always. Lucy would, to a certain degree, and she'd always be like, well, what's it about? And I'm like, well, I don't know, I think it just sounds cool. <laughs> but then she'd be like, yeah, okay, well, let's just sit down and get to the point of it. Mm. Or sometimes you'd write songs, like, what's that about? She's like, well, do you not know? It's like, no, not really. But then when you do know, you're like, oh, right, okay. Sometimes it'd be quite cryptic. Yeah. As, and as a, if you write it yourself, you know what it's about. Mm. But other people mightn't. So it's getting to that point. Yeah. But going back to what you were saying about songwriting for other people. Mm. Uh, yeah, we've done, we've done a bit of that. I wrote you for Kieran Quinn's record. And that was fun. But that was over email. Mm. Had the guts of a tune and sent it to him. He's like, do you want to do something with this? And he was like, yeah. So I ended up just writing the rest of it and kind of arranged some harmonies. And he did some as well. And but then with Lucy, we did some brief work like production writing where you get a brief and you're like we want four to five songs murder ballads Mm. in this style True Detective was out at the time so they basically wanted loads of True Detective style songs Mm. Um, and that was grand that was good and some nice stuff came out you kind of yeah we still play one or two of them but you do fold package it away and fold away okay that that was that set of songs yeah what would you say to a younger man in relation to music a younger man a younger yeah, me I have to call you man oh wow that, that's so. alright <laughs> um, if, if there was something that you wish that you knew now back then <laughs> yeah in terms of music just maybe just take a little more seriously at a younger age but we say that now because we know so much how it's changed in terms of gigging and, and streaming and everything and just mm. experience. We were very lucky to be toured everywhere. Mm. We went all around like and that experience in itself was vital. So it's hard to tell like a seventeen year old what to do because you have to kind of experience and get to know it anyway. Just enjoy it and don't be don't don't be silly. Yeah. But it's nice to be silly too, like from time to time for yeah. sure. What's the best advice you've been given by another musician? Just be a bit more professional when it comes to gigs, like turn up on time. If you're booked for a 
good gigs mm. you know just prepare for it like and did somebody tell you that they didn't tell me it is as like they're scolding me or anything they're just yeah. like you know this i think it's important that people do this yeah and you kind of once you experience we've done some big gigs like big supports and gigs and big venues and you're just surrounded by people who are just really professional everyone's there on time for sound check everyone's on the ball everyone knows what they're doing i think that, and once that's all in place, then you can just go play and enjoy it. And the rewards afterwards are, are really good. You know, you're quite satisfied, satisfied with the whole thing. Yeah. I know, I know we were talking about the Sligo music scene. Why do you think uh, the Sligo scene is so good? Like, for music and the arts? Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about it walking over. I've been, I moved to Sligo when I was four. We were living in Boyle. Maybe it's something to do with the west of Ireland or coastal towns that are just really, just really into arts. There was obviously huge arts festivals in Sligo here throughout mm. the years, early 90s. And in Boyle as well, there was the arts festival. And you follow it down to Westport and Galway Arts, Clare, Cork and Kerry, parts of Donegal. It's just, just really good musicians and artists, be it poets or whatever, mm. or painters and musicians, just all collaborating and all just getting involved and being quite supportive. But is that what makes the scene? You can be surrounded by really good musicians and good artists and quite supportive people inside of I think the scene is the problem. Yeah. To say, oh, like we live in Dublin now. It's like, oh, what's the scene like up there? It's like, it's not really a scene. There's mm-hmm. just there's gigs going on. There's certain genres of music being played. There's a hip-hop scene, let's call it. Yeah. You have to call it that because there's just bands play hip-hop. That's mm-hmm. fine. The Sligo music scene. What, what defines a scene like? Loads of venues? Or loads yeah. of bands. Well, I, I don't know, I guess. Or, or touring bands coming through Sligo. Is it a kind of a bu- a, the buzz yeah. rather than the scene? I guess the scene, maybe that that's just old school 90s. Maybe. Yeah, of course. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's easy um, to call it that. It's yeah. easy to call it that. I guess it, it's almost like it's a kind of a creative energy. There's a buzz. Yeah. I would like even saying buzz, it's those type of words that, you know. Z words, vibes, yeah. vibes of the Z. Yeah. <laughs> They're great words. Sligo's good. Sligo's buzzing. There's no doubt about it with music and musicians. Is it is it the countryside and like the actual atmosphere of the place and that there's a yeah. river going through and mm, yeah maybe so I think it's more to do with the support and the people involved in the arts in town like the guys who ran the arts festival and then where we had the flat and then we had Sligo Live obviously Sligo Live started off had some rough years but now I think it's really hit its peak mm. then you've got like Mousy who was so supportive to us for playing music in town. You know, there's trad sessions and shoots and you know, trickies with gargles mm. and Dale and the Swagman. But they're all pubs yeah. which are putting on music. And we're lucky because we can go into those pubs and play whatever we want. We don't do naff covers. Like, yeah. very lucky to yeah. not have to do that. And that's fine if you want to do that. But uh, venue-wise, you've got like Model and Hawkswell. They kind of cater for certain kind of gigs. They're not really pushing for original music or, or original touring acts mm. who are, you know, up and coming in Ireland. Fifth on Teeling were kind of doing that, but now it's kind of cover bands. Mm. And look, that's fine. Yeah. The Gary Vogue attempted to do that for a couple of years, but changed management and their business plan is different. And now you've got HMV Soundgarden reopening. Mm. They filled the hole. So they were going to be putting the venue upstairs there. Yeah. You've got McGargles, could be doing a bit more. I think it's a small town politics kind of thing when you have a lot of venues arguing with each other. Yeah. I, I, I don't think there is much. I don't think it's bad competitive, you know, business. I no, because that's what it is. There's enough musicians. Yeah, there is. <laughs> uh, it's business, and that's what it is. Yeah. It's fine once you understand that. If a touring act wants to come around the country, where do they play in Sligo? It's as you said, I guess. 
it just depends on how big they are or yeah. like what kind of I was gonna say scene again. What kind of mm. genre they're Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know. At the end of the day, old age old problem is they need they're touring Ireland and they need to they need money, so if they're not gonna guarantee from the pub they have to mm. put ticket sales in the door and to put ticket sales you need to be putting press and promo into it mm. and hope that there's enough people who aren't gigging the same night to actually go to the gig. That's true. This is a huge thing. It's a, you've, a town full of musicians who are out playing every night. Yeah. So when you come back to a gig, it's like, oh, I'll see you at the gig. It's like, no, I have a gig to play. It's like, ah. But you do, you do find, especially in, in Sligo, the bit, you'd expect the busiest nights to be the Friday or a Saturday night. But it seems that That's changed. Sunday nights and Mondays seem yeah. to be huge around the town. Yeah. Um, oh, they're great. I guess, I guess it is the musician thing, as you, as you said, because yeah. you know most musicians will be gigging on those days. And everyone's on different clocks these yeah. days. Everyone's working different jobs who aren't musicians as well. So mm. they, want, they might work weekends and take the weekdays or the weekends. Or yeah. They want to go out and see music. And sometimes it'd be nicer those quieter nights. You have a lot of kind of collaborations going on in, in town. Like yeah. I know when we go into pubs, if people are playing, they might call you up for tunes. And it's really nice. Yeah. A nice organic way. I think Sligo still needs some kind of push in terms of original music to make it a place that touring bands want to come to again. Yeah. I think that starts with a venue. But then I, I, just, I know how hard it is mm. for a venue to say, well, we're just going to run you know, touring, touring acts or original acts. But if they're not getting the numbers, how can they pay it? And it's absolutely fine to justify yeah. that like that. It is that circle, never-ending, where you know, people have to pay in but they have to pay a premium yeah, yeah. because they're coming to a specific county rather than usually going to Belfast or Dublin or Cork or Galway yeah and then you thought is that something with you know the number of people around and attendance and do they want to see that and then like people aren't going into a pub to maybe 11 or 12 a night anymore Yeah. so they go to a pub and there's music in the pub so maybe that's where it's thriving Yeah. and it was really good it is really good like God Sox played in pubs in Old Hannah for years mm. and we played a lot of original stuff yeah. and other bands we were playing were all playing original stuff as well and it was great mm. that's really cool yeah what's the one thing you can't live without coffee <laughs> oh, maybe in music terms well no no yeah coffee that's, coffee yeah. a good sauce a good gravy a good gravy a good gravy yeah what kind of gravy oh, maybe chicken gravy nice yeah that's a good one music wise if I check through Spotify or any of the, the, the online stuff that you use, what would be your guilty pleasure? What would be on it? If you could pick one song off it. Oh, what was I listening to last night on the way home in the car? Natalie and Brulia, Torn. Because it's a cover. I only found out yesterday it's a cover. Yeah. Edna Swamp Tune. Mm-hmm. Um, the Five Mega Mix. <laughs> we were listening to that there last week. The Five Mega Mix. Uh, lo- it's, it's funny, like, because... I mean, we did some pop songwriting last year. Mm. Me and Lucy did it. And it was really weird. It was interesting because... Was it easy? Uh, no, it's not easy. A lot of people say, oh, pop, pop music is so shit. Anyone could write that. Good luck to you. Mm. Write it so, like... Uh, it's, it's, it's quite difficult. But it, it's ever-changing as well, the way people are writing pop music these days. These songwriting camps. You like hook writers, verse writers, chorus writers, bridge writers beat makers, producers. So you've so many people involved in a, in a pop track. Mm. Maybe that's, that's maybe that's the problem. Yeah. A lot of people say, yeah, that's the problem. Look at all these old greats and they wrote it on their own. But it's a different time, like. It's a different, different thing, like. Yeah. What song would you have loved to have written or composed? Oh, there's so many of them. 
Torn. Uh, <laughs> torn. <laughs> um, Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. I mean, I think that's my favourite song. Oh, that's a great one. It's definitely on my Desert Island discs. Yeah. I'm compiling at the moment of a couple of songs. Yeah. Dreams. That was just, that's just a great tune. Who would you most like to perform with? Dead or Alive, I guess. Dead or Alive. John Frusciante. As a guitar player, yeah, he was a huge influence. I mean, he played with the Chili Peppers and I was big into them as a teenager. As I got older, I was kind of like, ah, I was not really into them as much anymore. But his guitar playing was great and it, was, it helped me so much. I wouldn't say the songs are lyrically the, the greatest of songs. Mm. What's, what's funny is people give out about music and, you know, can you not just enjoy art for art's sake? Like, you know, I would as a teenager, I would have been like, oh, I don't like that, that's shit. And you like that, well, that's shit. And that makes you dope like mm. I hate myself for that but that like, I guess you're you're entitled to say that though because I mean it's, you know when you're first figuring out listening to music yeah but it's just music it, take it as you you know because it is an identity you take you take that somebody's been playing music and you kind of go yeah that's that's exactly what I'm thinking or mm. feeling and then if somebody says that it's rubbish or they don't understand yeah it, yeah yeah like, for sure German underground techno Disney mm inspired music you know yeah. people don't get that I don't think there is even a genre of that but there should be but yeah but it is <laughs> yeah. that yeah, yeah. And I, I guess you know you're kind of entitled to take that but well, I think you kind of see with genres the more you kind of listen to stuff there is some gems out there that people ju- just don't understand it mm. or they don't well, I think because we play folk music mm. in Ireland and we're heavy influenced by an Americana sound or a country sound yeah. over the years and people are like, oh, but you're not from the States, or what are you doing singing about that? And But a lot of the Americana music would be inspired by Irish music, though, wouldn't it? Yeah. So it does kind of jump over and back in regards... Would you think, like, maybe, maybe I'm getting... That yeah, wrong. no, it is, it is, for sure. I mean, like, Dylan robbed loads of stuff from old Irish folk songs, English folk songs, and did it himself, but... It's funny at the moment, like... So we played country music for years, with old Hannah, and we've kind of made a conscious decision to kind of not so much move away from it but just we've actually just found our own kind of palette our own sound for, for this new record and it's still folky and still fun but it just feels like our own thing rather than oh that's a, a direct influence from this guy or her yeah. or whatever country music they're always like yeah you can't sing that what are you doing singing about whiskey and railroads or whatever and they have a point but then it's just like well it's just a song just singing it you know, enjoy yeah. it for the song. If it's a good song, it's a good song. So there's pros and cons to the two things. Yeah. But then you look at kind of modern Americana Americans and it's absolutely muck like. Mm. It's absolute gibberish. But that's your opinion. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Ten years from now, you will be. Ten years from now, I'll be 40, going on 41. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's so sad. <laughs> I hope, I hope I'll be still playing music and, and, and writing music. Hopefully a little bit more successful level. I think the key to music at the moment is sustainability. I mean, it's great. You can always go out and gig and always go on the road, but it is tiring. Yeah. You do have to kind of deviate in terms of, if you want to work, maybe work within the industry, something you've been kind of dabbling in for the guts of 15, 20 years, like playing gigs or putting on gigs and maybe get involved in bookings or, you know, promotion or tour managing work with bands because essentially it's the same thing you know mm. tour manager band you just it's logistics and production yeah. which is which interests me quite a bit at the moment so I'm looking into doing a bit of that and bookings we're lucky enough to have a good like 
a lot of contacts around Ireland just over the years. So you can just call the venue and go, hey, we're down. Is the state free? And they go, yeah. So Chuck's down for that. So you, you do all the bookings yourself? We do, yeah, with, with Odd Socks as well. And we worked with Una Malloy of Turning Pirate for the old Hannah stuff. Um, but yeah, you kind of you can kind of do a lot of it yourself. Yeah. I mean... And that's, that's what I was going to ask you. If there was one thing you could change about music, um, what would it be? As in, it could be anything to do with music. If I could change anything about music, or the industry, well, the industry, I hate that word. Well, yeah, or the scene. The scene. <laughs> I like the scene. Scene's good. The industry, though. Kids, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's a money thing. A lot of pubs take advantage. A lot of people take advantage of musicians to say, oh, play for free, and this is really good. You get really good exposure out of it, rather than just just paying them some money. Or even ta- broaching the topic with them and talking to them and say, look, we only have 200 quid. Mm. We're willing to offer you something rather than just being really cheeky and go, look, there's no money in it, but there's great exposure. It, where do, It's hard to, to know how to change that idea. Okay, uh, I guess the artists need to be... Uh, yeah, there's a lot of undercutting, running. especially in Dublin, like okay. sessions and stuff. A lot of people are willing to play for free and it's like, yeah. why are you doing Which that? Drops other bands prices yeah totally no choice and also the promoter or uh, knows that he can get a free gig out of a band yeah. or just starting but that forces bands especially original bands yeah it's a kind of take a cut mm-hmm. you know I understand venues cost money to rent and hire and stuff and that's grand but just be clear with the band say we can only offer you 100 quid and that's nicer to know that that's there rather yeah. than nothing not even a bottle of water not even a drink or you know taxi home or yeah. whatever Little things like that could be interesting. People talk about like maybe there should be a musicians, uh, you know, union. No, maybe there should be. I don't know. I think there's too many. In my, like, I, I don't know. I I just think there's too many musicians to deal with in different situations. Yeah. Like even you could even do one original wise original bands, but therefore the, those musicians are probably in cover bands as well. So would they be mixed in with another group that would be covers or tribute yeah, bands? It's, or, it's, you know, it's tricky. Like, yeah. So what I change? I think people just need to be nicer to each other when it comes to that. But I, I guess it is that vicious circle of that. If yeah. People can exploit musicians, then they'll do it and yeah. get away with it. You yeah, know? if it's a change thing, something, something to do with the tax or something to do with the monetary value that musicians can make and mm. remuneration. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's totally fine. So, uh, what is the most important question you can ask yourself as a musician? Do you still love it? Do you still enjoy it? What are you doing it for? Mm. Um, yeah, what are you doing it for? What's 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 the end goal? What are you trying to achieve? Like, mm. such a hard question, especially like, you know when you write your own music and release it. It's like, well, what do you, it's just strategy, I suppose. When what do you want to gain from this release? Do you want like reviews? Do you want radio play? Do you want a TV appearance? Do you want to sell out gigs? I suppose once you know where you're going with that and you have a plan, it's easier to achieve it. And so you can see, okay, well, how do I get the reviews? You send them here. Mm. We'll get in touch with these people. Well, you just want to release it and put it out there to your friends. That's absolutely grand as well. I think it's important to know what you're doing because you can see progression then rather than if you don't get anything, you just seem lost and you don't know what you want. Mm. And you're, so, you're sad, even though everything on paper is great. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's important to know what you want. Original artists would ask themselves that constantly. Oh, yeah. Every yeah. day, man. Yeah. yeah, absolutely every day. 
then you snap out of it and go, well, what, what do I want out of, what do I want to achieve out of this? Mm. And you can then see it as, as you achieve it. Like, yeah, like it's very important to have your dreams. Dreams are great. Like, but having goals and how to meet them is equally as important. Mm. I think not enough people do that with releases these days. You spend so much money on, on records or recording videos and stuff. It's like, well, now plan, spend as much time figuring out how to release it to get the best out of it. And a lot of people releasing independently these days. And so you're up against the major labels and how to release it. There's not like set ways, but allow yourself four to five weeks lead in for press and stuff like yeah. that. And, you know, get video out and just make it accessible to a certain degree for people. Mm. Just allow time for it to, to digest it. And maybe how you release something. If you release an album, sometimes in Ireland it can be just, you might create buzz for three weeks and then it's gone. Like, then you've, you can't really release it again. So maybe <laughs> yeah. release some singles off and then maybe an EP of it and then release the album. It is a drawn out process, yeah. but you are getting the most out of it. Do, do you find that musicians, original musicians specifically, would be forced to do that nowadays? I don't think you're forced to do it. I don't think you're forced to anything. I think it's just a, a smarter way to do it. Yeah. But it depends. It goes back to well, what you want out of the album, what you want it to achieve. Like, Do you want to gain like some management or bookings from it or boost your profile? Mm. Boosting your profile, definitely the prolonged, longer release schedule suits that. Because people who like you already are still going to like you. Mm. You know? Yeah. Still going to buy your stuff. So it's just kind of looking at it like that. And not gigging all the time is vital because your product is then diluted. And I know some bands and they just gig all the time. And it's it, it's great because you kind of... One side of it is that you're gigging everywhere and you're getting out there, but you end up hating it. We did it with Odd Socks for a couple of years as we gigged all the time. And then we just needed some downtime. Yeah. And yeah. It does. It, it gets tiring, and you end up hating it, and that's the worst thing you can do. Not enjoying what you're doing, and it becomes a chore. Mm. Every weekend, you're getting into the van, going fuck. Yeah, tires you out. No wonder you just leave behind, like. Yeah. So make it having a sustainable outlook on it, and how how can it be sustainable for you, is is very important. Uh, you're you're getting on the point there of maybe doing other things. Um, when, when, you know, not gigging too much, just try and loosen it up, kind of. Yeah, uh, for sure. What is a skill you'd like to learn, and why? A skill I would like to learn? I don't know. I suppose I could learn how to drive. Was, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, yeah, learn how to drive. Yeah, maybe this could be quite helpful at the moment. Yeah, okay, so... <laughs> I might cut that one out. <laughs> but I know. Yeah, we'll go. The last question. Best soundtrack? Best soundtrack. Favourite film. Pulp Fiction. Oh, I think it's Pulp Fiction soundtrack. I've seen it there recently favorite again. Favourite film as well? Uh, I don't know if it's a favourite film. It's a damn good soundtrack. Mm. Yeah. So Just what seems would be to... your favourite film? Oh, I don't know. Oh, favourite film, Goodfellas. Oh, yeah. I think it has to be. I mean, every time it comes on, I'm just like, I'm not turning it off. Mm. I watch it numerous times. Yeah. So what, <laughs> what, what I'm going to do... I'll, I'll do it every every single time I'm interviewing is that I write down a couple of sentences that, that you say and it's going to be the name of the actual podcast interview yeah. so we have two choices the groove is there or ripping it apart um, ripping it apart ripping it apart ok 
Yeah. Okay. That's that's great. Great. Thanks for having me. That was lovely. That's really nice. I would like to thank Anthony Mannion for talking with me on this episode. You can find his music on the links below. Until next time, I'm Stephen Cahaney. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sligo Sands Podcast. <laughs>